What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, May 30th. Senator Josh Hawley joins me on the program to talk about manhood and the masculine virtue America needs. Meanwhile, Kohl's has decided to take the kamikaze approach to marketing by targeting kids with their LGBTQ gear. And down in Florida, the furries are all bent out of shape because they can no longer have minors at their kinky conventions. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. What's doing, everybody? I'm Alec Lace, and for the last five years, I've hosted an award-winning podcast called First Class Fatherhood. For the most part, I've done my best to keep politics out of the conversation, but I cannot do that anymore. That is why I've decided to launch a new show, The Alec Lace Show. So hit the follow button, and let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I am happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. If you are enjoying the program here, please hit me with a like, a comment, a share, a follow. Everything goes a long way to help me build a presence over here on Rumble, the only place where you can see the Alec Lay Show. I hope everybody had a chance over the weekend here, Memorial Day weekend, to remember the reason why we're even able to do things like I'm doing right now, the freedoms that we all have for everybody that died in battle defending this country's freedoms all over the globe. And I know that Memorial Day now is over and we move on, but for the Gold Star families in this country, uh, it never ends. Memorial Day is every day. So I would pray that we can keep them and their families uh, in our hearts and on our minds throughout the year as we move forward. And we are, and I will have uh, Senator Josh Hawley. It's a big honor to have him on the show here today. So please stick around for that. He'll be here in just a few minutes. But as I mentioned now, Memorial Day is behind us, which means Pride Month is in front of us. This entire Pride Month is coming up. And you would think that a, uh, a CEO or a marketing manager of one of these retailers would look at what has just happened with Budweiser, between Bud Light and Target, between just those two, they've lost over $28 billion worth of market value. So you would think other managers, marketing marketers around the world or around the country would be looking at that going, okay, we're not going to fall into that trap. We are going to make sure we are not, number one, mocking women, number two, uh, attacking children, we're going to do our, our gay pride, and we're all going to make it addressed towards adults. We're going to keep it nice. We're going to keep it clean. We're not going to try to sexually pervert children. We're not going to try to mock women. It doesn't seem like it's that hard of a recipe uh, to follow in order to avoid a disaster. But Coles couldn't help themselves. They decided to say, you know what? Eh, maybe it won't happen to us. So I would imagine there's going to be an opening for marketing director of Kohl's coming pretty soon here, or ad director, whatever the position is, or whoever decided that we're going to go all in. Look at this. Now, Kohl's, I'll put some pictures on the board here. They have got an entire LGBTQ line directed at babies, three-month-olds, toddlers. Why in the world would you decide to do this? It's a suicide mission. Right now, Budweiser cannot give, Anheuser-Busch cannot give Bud Light away. All Memorial Day weekend, people were posting their pictures from all over the country about how much Bud Light is available in the stores. They've knocked the prices down so huge, but no one is taking the bait. No one wants to be a part of Bud Light for what they stand for. Same thing is happening at Target. It would have been one of their big weekends, uh, Memorial Day sales, uh, shoppers, turned their heads and just went in another direction. And that direction will not be Kohl's because Kohl's has for some reason decided. And I guess I don't understand what it is like. I know uh, Andy Frasilla explained this on his podcast uh, pretty well, but 
it just seems like retailers are, are just willing to take the loss and they would rather virtue signal. It seems like the virtue signaling, the price you have to pay, it doesn't matter. It seems like they'd rather throw the whole company out the window than not be able to virtue signal. And so here we go. We're going to see another victim of this. And I, and I don't understand the reasoning why. Why can't you just stop targeting the children? It will be that much easier for you to just get by this entire month of the Pride Month, sell your stuff, uh, address it to the gay, address it to the lesbian. Uh, don't address it to the child. It has no bearing on, on this holiday whatsoever. Don't try to sexualize the children. You keep doing it, you're going to pay the price. And it seems like they're willing to pay the price. I mean, we've just seen... It seems like they they're always want to involve the children because we just seen, I know one of the, the big movies that released over the weekend, The Little Mermaid, which has gotten knocked for several other reasons. But the New York Times actually puts this up. I'll put it up on a board here. This is absolutely unbelievable. The New York Times actually put out this review and they tweeted it out and, they, and they've left the tweet up. Disney's live action remake of The Little Mermaid with Bailey starring as Ariel, a diverse cast, reeks of obligation and noble intentions. Joy, fun, mystery, risk, flavor, kink, they're missing. Now, this guy, uh, Wesley Morris, says this is a bad thing, that kink is missing. It's not kinky enough for the children. Why are we doing this? I don't understand. It seems like they're, they're willing to throw it all away just to sexualize the children. Coles is going to learn the lesson of the hard way. But here we go with Disney. Oh, the Little Mermaid's not kinky enough. And speaking of uh, kinkiness, this furry thing. Now, I don't know if you guys, I wasn't, wasn't even aware of what this thing was. This furry fandom where these grown adults, and I'll put some of the pictures of these guys on the board, gal, guys, gals. Uh, somehow they're too, they're looped into this LGBTQ community, I guess, in some way. Because it seems like they, uh, they're attached to one another. But you have grown adults that are dressing up in costumes of animals, cartoon characters. And they go to these conventions and they role play that they're the actual animal. Now, it doesn't stop just there. It's not like, oh, we're just pretending to be animals and it's just innocent fun. No, there is a sexual agenda involved in this. There's a lot of kinkiness that goes on at these conventions, these what they call uh, furry conventions. And so now, because of what Governor Ron DeSantis, with that new bill we talked about last week, where Tampa canceled their pride parade because they couldn't perform uh, sexual acts in front of children, they got all pissed off, and so they had to cancel the pride parade. Instead of just saying, hey, we'll stop doing the sexual acts in front of children, we'll cancel the whole parade. If we can't do it, we're going to take our ball and go home, is basically what the director of that parade said. Same thing here now, but what happened with the furries, they're all ticked off at uh, Governor DeSantis, they're not allowing children at the convention again they love the kids so much but they're not going to give up the sexual acts so that kids can attend no that would be too much to ask so they're just going to ask the children not to attend these crazy conventions that they put on and and they try to say oh people have a misconception of the furry culture and the furry fandom it's not all about uh, being sexualized well take a listen to this guy here or gal or guy or furry or whatever they prefer to be called here but listen to this i would call lunatic who is the child and youth director or child and youth worker for the furry convention take a listen to this we're not any more of a fetish than anything else but I don't think it's necessarily a misconception that furries are sexual. 
and I don't think that's a bad thing either. One of the most magical things and wonderful things about the fandom is how sexually liberated and expressive we are, especially in a population of people that are so heavily queer as well, that are comfortable with any kind of sex as well. How much people embrace and support sexual liberty and freedom in this fandom is a wonderful, beautiful thing. All right, openly admitting there, no, 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 this is a very uh, sexual thing. So uh, don't get mistaken here. This is, the, And this is the person that they have for the youth and child working with children. And this is the way that they're approaching this. So this thing is out of control, and I would just say, good thing that the San has put this rule in, because now, uh, since they are no longer allowed to have uh, these adult performances in front of children, they can't bring the kids. And like I said, it'd be so much easier if they just said, hey, you know what, we're just going to not do these uh, kinky performances so the children can come. But they're not willing to do that. Just like the Pride Parade in Tampa wasn't willing to cut out the perverted acts in front of children so they can continue with their parade. No, we can't do that. So we're seeing more and more of this, and it's just getting started because we are not even in Pride Month yet. I know that it seems like everyone's been posting about it and talking about it because it seems like it starts earlier and earlier every year, but we didn't even begin Pride Month. And you already got real ta retailers taking a bath. So this thing is going to be a disaster if they don't learn their lessons quick. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's not that hard to avoid. It really isn't. Leave the children alone. Stop mocking women. Very simple. Do all of the rest of it that you want. Just stop doing those things. And you're going to be fine. All right, looks like we got Senator Josh Hawley in the Zoom room here. Let's see if I can make the connection with him. And let's see if we do this. I got you here. All right, joining me now, Senator Josh Hawley. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, last time we spoke, your kids, your boys, eight years old, six years old, daughter, just six months. Give me an update. How old are the kids? How are they doing? So now the boys are 10 and eight and my baby daughter is two and she is absolutely in charge. When I left this morning, she was sitting at the kitchen table. Her name is Abigail. And I said, Abby, you're in charge while daddy's gone. And she looked at me and she said, OK, daddy, as in like, aren't I always? So that's how it's going. It's, it's going great. It's a great time of life. Yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah, I have I have three boys and we got the little girl on our fourth try. She runs the show over here as well. So I know all about that. But I know just like you and me and every parent in this country right now, Senator, we are concerned about the country that our kids are growing up in. Uh, manhood, the masculine virtue, the virtues America needs is a timely book right now. In my opinion, the underdog in this country, Senator, is the American family and in particular, the family man. He's been the forgotten man. So what was the spark that led you to write this book, Manhood? My boys, you know, being 10 and 8, they're at that age now when I really start thinking as a dad, what is it I need to do to help them become the men that they're meant to be? You know, and as they get older and more susceptible to media influence, uh, to the influence of popular culture, I've started thinking about, you know, what do I need to do? What stories do I need to tell them? What vision do I need to give them? And the book really grew out of that. And it, it, what it really is, is a bunch of stories about role models from the Bible, from American history, from my life of good, strong men. And what it means to be a husband and a father and a warrior and a builder. I go through those character traits, those virtues, and talk about men who exemplify them. Yeah. And, and we need that right now. I know in the book, you talk about how a man is born to work and to acquire the character that work brings. And for some reason, 
you know, especially for the blue collar worker, uh, the middle class worker, the guy that just wants to go to work, pay his bills, raise his family. I'm a guy. I'm a railroad mechanic. I've been doing that for two decades. Hustle Uber taxis on the side, whatever I can do so that my wife could stay home and raise the kids. And that seems to be like the absolute thing to do now. Everyone seems to look down upon the guy that works and wife stays home and raises the kids as if he's oppressing his wife because she has to stay home with the kids. That used to be the norm in this country. And now all of a sudden it's like that's the guy that's uh, that's being attacked and the, the family units have completely broken down in this country and i think that combined with the fact that the heavenly father has been removed is the result that combination is the result of why we're seeing so much chaos in the country absolutely and it used to be that you had people who wanted to have wanted to have an economy you used to have people who are elected officials and they said it's our goal in this country to have an economy where a guy who works with his hands, a blue collar worker, which by the way, 70, 70% of American men in this country, right? It used to be we aspired to have those guys be able to provide for their families on the income they earned. Not anymore, to your point. Now, the idea is that, oh, of, co- of course, both spouses should have to work, you know? And, and of course, the, the blue collar worker, they should just have to live with the fact that they can't get a good job anymore. Their wages are lower than they've ever been. Many blue collar jobs, 4 million to be exact, have gone to China in the last 20 years. So you have a whole series, a whole generation of these policy types in Washington, D.C., who really look down, I think, on blue collar work. They look down on the blue collar family, the traditional family. And if it disappears, they'd be just fine with that. I mean, that is the truth. And I think you're right. That is at the root of much of what's going on in America, childhood poverty, uh, the the youth violence. It's because the family is crumbling and men in particular, working men, are really under assault. Yeah, and I, I can be honest with you, Senator. There's no, I take no more pride than being able to provide for my family, to protect for my family. And I try to relay that to young men who are, you know, are, are afraid of becoming a father because of what they're seeing out there. And I try to turn that mindset around to say, this is going to be the greatest thing that's going to happen in your life. And I know in your book, you talk about the crisis of fatherhood. Uh, it, it's it's the number one thing I talk about all the time, the fatherless crisis. You know the stats, you mentioned a few. You can't have these conversations about homelessness, poverty, crime, without talking about the fatherless crisis. We are filling up the prison systems in this country with one particular type of individual, and that is a young man that came from a fatherless household. Meanwhile, President Biden will tell you the most dangerous thing to society is a white supremacist. I would argue that it's a young man that grows up without a father. And that's not to say that every kid that grows up without a dad is going to end up in prison. But 85% of our youths that are in prison, Senator, are coming from fatherless homes. 100%. And if you look at just, let's look at youth violence. The number of those guys who commit violence, do they have the father present? No. On the on the flip side, if you put a dad into the home, heck, there's one study that shows if you just put a dad into the neighborhood, just one dad in a neighborhood, you dramatically reduce youth violence. Same thing with childhood poverty. Put a father into a home actually contributing to his kids and his wife you dramatically, dramatically reduce childhood poverty. Same thing for depression, same thing for drug abuse. You can go down the line. So I agree with you 100%. The data agrees with you that fathers are absolutely key. And I just think for young men, part of what I wanted to say to them in this book is, you want to leave a legacy? You want to have influence in this life? You want your life to count for something? Be a father. Get married, have a family, provide for them. Be a father. Yeah, very well said. And and, and, ju- and just touching more on this, uh, it seems like that idea of having the father in the family to the left 
It seems to be uh, something that they're against. President Joe Biden himself says uh, these are our nation's children or all of our children. We hear this from the press secretary. These are our kids. We got the secretary of education in this country telling you that teachers know better for their kids than the parents do. And it just seems like why in the world does the left side of the aisle or the Democrats in this country want to get a wedge in between the parents and their kids? I can't figure that out. Yeah, it's because they don't like the family and they don't like fathers and they don't like mothers. I mean, these are the same people who say that all men are toxic by definition. These are the same people who say that there's no such thing as a woman, you know, that if a biological man decides that he wants to be a woman today, that's fine. And that he's just as good as a biological woman. This is insanity that they're pushing on the country. And you're right. This administration in particular has tried to separate parents from children. You know, these are the people who labeled parents domestic terrorists if they went to their own kid's school board meeting and said, I'd kind of like to see what my kid's being taught. I don't want my kid to have to wear a mask in school when there's no medical reason for it. Domestic terrorists, they were called. So yes, there is a concerted effort to treat the traditional family and moms and dads as somehow outmoded, as as a threat uh, to kids' health. When the, the reverse is the truth. The best thing for kids is a stable two-parent family. No doubt about that, Senator. And you know what? I'm here in the, the communist state of New Jersey where a few years ago they passed this guidance where the teachers don't even have to tell the parents things that are going on in the classroom, such as if the kid changes his pronouns, if they come out as a transgender, the teachers are not required to even tell us, the parent, what's going on. And this LGBTQ community has seemed to have hijacked so much of our society right now, and they seem to get all bent out of shape because they're not allowed to perform these uh, perverted acts in front of children. And if you call them on it, they call you a bigot. And it seems like we're more and more of them want to drag queen story hours. Uh, and then we're seeing these companies get into bed with them like Target and Kohl's. And it seems like these companies are willing to pay the price uh, just so that they can virtue signal. It seems like the virtue signaling is worth the price that they have to pay. And that is another thing. And stop coming after the children is not too much to ask. No, it's not too much to ask. And you're right about these woke corporations who would rather bow down in front of and bend the knee to these radical leftist groups than they would pay their workers a good wage, actually employ people in the United States of America and stand up for the traditional family. You know, these are the same corporations that are happy to buy all their stuff from China. They're happy to ship all of our jobs overseas that actually support families. And then they turn around and lecture these same families in middle America. And by that, I just mean the people in the middle of this country, in the middle doing the work, doing the uh, supporting the country, doing the labor, they lecture them, they lecture us on what our values should be. I just think it's sickening. And the antidote to this, by the way, is give parents rights. I mean, I think we ought to give every parent a federal right, a federal parent's bill of rights where you can go into court and say, if, if I don't get told by my school district what my kids are being taught, who's teaching them, what the money's going on, uh, going toward, what medical procedures the counselor's recommending to my kid, then you can sue the administrators. And you can actually enforce your rights. And we've got to do this or else these bureaucrats are going to be raising our kids. Yeah, because what's going to be the next step? And I, I couldn't agree more. It's just sad that we have to say that we need something like that at the federal level. I mean, how, how ridiculous does that even sound saying it? But also, too, now in a in, in neighboring here in, in New York City, you got this, these immigrants that are coming in, illegals that are coming in from down south. They're busting them into New York City and they're putting them, some of them, hundreds of them in gymnasiums of schools. And they're saying, well, the gym ain't attached to the school. So that's OK. So parents are supposed to accept the fact that these people, nobody has any idea who they are, where they came from what their background is what their intentions are and they're putting them 
in a part of the school, the school gym in New York City and they're telling parents, hey, if you've got a problem with this, you're, you're a racist or you're a bigot and you have to shut up and like it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and once again, it just goes to the fact that if you are a working class family in this country, you're supposed to just shut up and take it. You're supposed to watch while your job goes away. You're supposed to watch while your wages get cut. You're supposed to shut up uh, while an illegal immigrant takes your job, while your kids are threatened. And by the way, you want to talk about illegal immigration and what that's doing to our kids. How about the drugs? In my state, Missouri, fentanyl, number one killer of young people and middle-aged people in my state. It's all coming from across the southern border. It's in every school in the state. It's everywhere. And it's all because of the illegal immigration and the fact that this administration has just opened the border, just floodgate of drugs, crime into every community in the state. I know that's happening in every state across the country. And uh, it, again, it's, it's sick. It's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. Yeah, and I do. And I, and I know every parent does their best to get kids out of the public school system because it is just so toxic. Look at what's on the walls of the schools in our public schools. They're getting indoctrinated with all kinds of stuff, the CRT, the LGBT. And now it's like they say they call you out. Oh, you're banning books from the school when everyone knows damn well. It's not books that are being banned. It's the pornography that's being banned. And they try to play it off. You can't even read this material on live television without the censors getting in trouble. You can't post the images on Twitter with out of getting blocked on Twitter with them to put a warning on it, but it's allowed to be in the children's school. Parents are getting so fed up with having to eat this stuff. And every time they speak out, they're getting shouted down. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny about the book, uh, book banning. Who are the book banners? It's the left who won't let you read Dr. Seuss, for heaven's sake. I mean, these are the people who want to go back and rewrite our entire American history. These are the people who say that we weren't founded in 1776. We were founded in 1619. They want to erase all traces of our history. They want to take out books that uh, that refer to American history. They don't want you to read Dr. Seuss. I mean, these people have lost their minds. I mean, they have really lost their minds. And to your point about schools, the fact is that parents pay for these schools with their tax dollars. And it's not too much to ask that a parent be able to go to a school board meeting, get some answers about his kid's education and say, I want to know what you're spending my money on. I want to know what you're teaching my kids. I want to know what medicines you're recommending they take. And hey, if you're doing stuff behind my back, I want to put a stop to it. That's pretty basic stuff. And we should give parents the right to enforce those in court. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the future of this country is going to be in the hands of the parents. And I think the parents now are you're starting to see it all over the place. I've just had enough. They pushed them to the limit. And I wanted to get your take on this, Senator, because I know you're the leading opponent of TikTok. Every parent is dealing with this stuff. I got two teenagers in the house uh, out of the four kids. This TikTok thing with their friends, it's nuts. They have this chroming thing now where kids are sniffing this stuff. They're dropping dead. They're going to the hospital and, and they're doing it under this hashtag called hashtag whip talk, which has 400. 12 million views. I mean, it's getting a lot of eyeballs on it. What in the world do parents do to try to get this thing under control? Well, you know, I, I would just say that the best thing to do is to get your kids off of TikTok. And, and the next best thing to do is, is to try to limit their time as much as possible. And I think explaining the fact that, listen, this TikTok is a backdoor. Put aside the content that's on it for a second, which is terrible in many cases. You know, they've got the suicide information, suicide challenges that are on there. But put all that aside. It is also a spying device for the Communist Chinese Party that is literally tracking every place you go, your location. It is tracking your keystrokes. It is tracking what you look at. It is tracking your phone list. It is tracking your text messages. So it's not just a, a fun little video app. It is a backdoor into every aspect of your life. 
which is why we need to ban it at a national level. We banned it at the federal government. We did that six months ago. We need to ban it nationally. And I just think to your point, I hear people say all the time, reporters and usually supporters of TikTok, they say stuff like, oh, well, this is really the parents' fault. You know, I mean, if if parents were attentive to their kids, to which I say, have you tried parenting kids in this age of social media? My 10-year-old knows more about my phone than I do. You know, and I mean, I hope I'm not an inattentive parent. So I just think we've got to get parents some help here. I think we ought to have an age limit for all social media. And I think we ought to ban TikTok. Yeah, social media is a poison. You're right. I mean, my kids, they, they do laps around me when it comes to technology. I have no idea. what I, I always bring them up. Hey, how do I do this? How do I hook this up? They're always showing me what to do and look at me like I'm a dinosaur. When I used to be the guy hooking up the VCRs when I was a kid, you know, I, it's yeah. all turned around on me here. But I, social media obviously is a poison. Another thing to your book here, uh, Manhood, the Masculine Virtues, American Needs, link down there in the description uh, is the Heavenly Father. I know you talk yeah. about God. It's been removed from so much of our society and it, it it's the key to all of this stuff. We've become a godless nation in so many ways, a godless society. So how do we reignite that passion, that love for God once again in this country? Well, you know, I think that's the key thing, really. What the left is offering our kids in an entire generation is basically secular atheism. And here's what it boils down to. What they're saying to our young men in particular is, don't be men, be androgynous consumers. Go sit in your basement, mom and dad's basement, turn on your laptop, sit there, watch some stuff on a screen, buy some stuff, be entertained, and don't rock the boat. Now, that's their message. And we need to say to them, no, 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 turn off the screen, come up out of the basement. Your life has purpose. There is a God. There is purpose in the universe. There is purpose in this world. You were made for a purpose. You can, by taking responsibility, you can transform your life. You can transform the destiny of people around you, and you can transform this nation. It all begins with taking responsibility and being who God made you to be. That is the powerful, incredibly good message that we have to give to young men. And it is diametrically opposite to the left, which is basically a message of atheism, despair, androgyny, and, you know, uh, passivity. I mean, just basically give up all hope and, you know, entertain yourself. Yeah, amen, Senator. We, we we definitely need to have a reemergence of faith in this country for sure. Faith and fatherhood, family, that's what's going to turn this whole thing around. And ironically, some of the, the biggest critics of the book Manhood are, are, are people that believe that men should be competing in women's sports. And they think like it's a big knock. So you've seen all the, the, the normal characters, the usual suspects, New York Times, Washington Post. You've seen the critics come out. What's been your response to the critics of the book here? You know, well, number one, they should read the book. Almost none of them had actually read it. Number two... It's not enough to say that, oh, well, this isn't a real crisis. You know, men are fine in America. No, they're not. How can you look at the suicide among our young guys and say that's okay? How can you look at the depression, the drug abuse, the lack of work? How can you look at that and say, oh, it's really all fine. You should just get over it. You know, quit quit hyperventilating. We've got a real problem here. And I think the problem is one of vision. And the problem is, again, is the left saying to men, you're inherently toxic. The problem is the left saying to men, just be androgynous and aim for nothing more in life than to be a consumer. That's the problem. So they are the problem. The left is the problem, what they have sold the men of this country, what they've told them since the time they were, you know, little guys in kindergarten. We've got to raise their sights. We've got to tell them the truth, which is they're needed, that their responsibility is powerful, and that they can change themselves and change this country's destiny. We need them to do that. 
Yeah, right on with that. And just like we were talking about, uh, faith is something big in my family. And I go to church. My three boys are altar boys. And I know that the stats all show it, that if the father goes, brings his kids to church, the likelihood of those kids going to church when they're older is far greater than if they go just with the mother. The father's impact on a child is so big. And you talk about the suicides. We had one in my son's grade this year. We had one in my son's grade last year with these suicides. When we were a kid growing up, it was unheard of that you had kids killing themselves. And if you look at going back to the social media every year since 2007 youth suicide has increased and ironically 2007 is the first year we got these smartphones so i think there's definitely a connection somewhere here that this social media stuff has just upset the apple cart with children's childhood they seem like they are not allowed to be just kids anymore and they were all under this peer pressure that's coming from these devices that we're all just so attached to yeah it is the the social media and the smartphone, big tech, has turned out to be the rocket fuel, I think, for the radical, destructive agenda of the left. You know, their ideology that is their anti-man, anti-woman, anti-gender, anti-God ideology, it has just been given rocket fuel by social media. And so now kids get this constant barrage of images shoved in their face. Of this, Why, why by the way, take the trans, the explosion of kids who identify as transgender. That has also exploded exactly at the same time social media has taken off. You know, now, why would that be the case? Is that just an, an accident? You know, for all of human history, only like 0.0001% of the population has any issue in terms of identifying as trans. And now all of a sudden, it's like massive numbers of young people. And that's just a coincidence? I don't think so. Nobody thinks it's a coincidence. It's driven by social media and the, the social environment. And again, I just say to people on the left, is this really what you want? I mean, you look at the state that our kids are in, you look at what they're struggling with. Is this what you want? I don't think so. I don't think any parent wants this. We've got to change course and offer a better message and a higher vision. No doubt. It it definitely has an impact. This is why we call these people influencers. They have a heavy influence. This is all by design. And just imagine if we use this tool for good and we portrayed the strong male role models, the importance of being a father and raising a family, how quickly we could turn our society around. But we're choosing not to do it. They're choosing it to do it for bad. So uh, all in this book here, Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. I think it makes a great Father's Day uh, book. Father's Day is right around the corner here. Uh, what, what is the, per- let me ask you this. What does the perfect father's day look like for you, Senator? Oh, Hey, just getting to spend time with my kids. I mean, that's the, for me, I have to tell you really every day is father's day. I mean, I wake up and, uh, I, I just, I, I hear my, my kids, uh, no matter how early we go to bed and how early we wake up with the two-year-old in the house, there's always somebody up before my wife and me. So it never fails. And, uh, but so my kids always wake me up in one way or another, whether that's 2 a.m. or 5 a.m., but, you know, whenever whenever they wake me up in the morning and I hear them, I'm just like, I just thank God that he allowed me to be a father. In the book, I talk a little bit about becoming a father. We actually, my wife and I lost our first child uh, before uh, he or she, we never found out, uh, before they were born in a miscarriage. And, and for me, that really, as a young man, that really brought home the gift that being a father is. You know, it, it's not something that just you can take for granted. And so every day I'm like, man, I am just thankful for the gift of getting to be a dad and there is nothing better for me in life ever any day of the week than getting to spend time with my three kids and my wife. Yeah, great stuff, Senator. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, uh, we, I talked about it at the top. The underdog in this country is the family man, the American family. Uh, but in particular now, these young families that are just starting out, just getting married, just going to have their first kid. It seems like the odds are stacked against them in this country right now. What is your advice 
to that young couple that's out there right now just getting ready to start their family? Well, I would just say there's nothing more important that you can do. And then for, for young men, I mean, for young dads, I would say there's no investment you can make that is more important than this. So, you know, be willing to pay the price. I mean, be willing to say, I'm going to prioritize my wife. I'm going to prioritize my kid when he or she comes along. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make this number one and I'm going to protect my family. I mean, I just think for dads, you've got to realize that whether it's social media, whether it's the, the influences of entertainment, pop culture, uh, now the big corporations, like you are going to have to protect your family. You're going to have to set up a hedge around them. And if dads, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. I mean, you, you can't expect somebody else to do it. You can't expect that to be your wife's job or some neighbor's job. Or fit. You have to do it. But if you will do it, you can create something there with your family that will leave a legacy that will stand the test of time. I mean, again, you want to have influence in this life? Raise a family, love your wife, provide for her, provide for your kids. You will leave a legacy that is truly eternal. Amen. Well said, Senator. Manhood, the masculine virtues, American needs. Link down in the description. Uh, Senator Josh Hall, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. Thank you for having me. All right. Really appreciate having a few minutes there with Judge Jeanine Pirro. Uh, Get her book, Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic. Guys, like I said at the top here, it's going to be DeSantis or Trump. Whoever wins the battle between those two has got to win in 2024, because if not, this country is going to be no longer the way you recognized it growing up, which is already not. I mean, so much of our country, as we look around, is burning to the ground here. Crime out of control. We're allowing criminals to run free. We're arresting heroes. Everything is everything is flip-flopped here. We're targeting kids. Perverts are running free. This has become a pervert paradise. America's become a pedophile paradise, and they're hiding behind this LGBTQIA+. Plus community, right? So we are in trouble in this country and 2024 is going to be, and I think we say this, I guess, every year or every four years, this is the biggest election in history. This is going to be a big one. So I'm honored that I had Judge Jeanine Pirro give me a few minutes of her time. As you can see, she was just bouncing to another interview there. She's doing the promos for her book and good on her. Again, I love Judge Jeanine. She is my kind of girl, New York girl, very well versed, very well knowledgeable. She tells it like it is, quick talking. And I wish I could have spent an hour with her because we could, we would be going on and on about all this stuff. But that's all I got for you guys today here heading into the weekend. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend. I hope we all take a time, uh, take some time to remember all of those men and women that have died giving us our freedom. And if you want, check me out on First Class Fatherhood tomorrow. I'm doing an awesome interview with a Gold Star father, uh, Charles Strange, whose son Michael Strange was serving with SEAL Team 6. Uh, in a helicopter known as Extortion 17 when it was shot down in Afghanistan, August 6, 2011. Biggest loss of life in naval special warfare history. Uh, so many uh, of our best of the best died that day, tragically. And so Charles Strange, Gold Star Dad, First Class Dad, will be joining me on the show, First Class Fatherhood. So check that out. Uh, you got all weekend to listen to it leading into Memorial Day. Again, uh, we wouldn't have a chance right now at all in this world without the men and women who have served in our military. So God bless, and let's keep them all in our prayers as we remember uh, the best, the very best of us this weekend, all right? And uh, and I still love this country very much. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be doing this show here, all right? I'm in love with this country. I want to see this country make the comeback. I know Ron DeSantis is calling it uh, the Great America Comeback. Uh, great America Comeback is his slogan. Trump's is Make America Great Again. We just need, I, I think if we continue to push, we can get 
get this country back to what it should be, which is the leader in this world. And right now we are far from that. So God bless you guys. Again, if you enjoyed the broadcast, please hit me with a like or a share or a follow or a comment, whatever you can do to help spread the word about the show. I just opened up a Facebook page, The Alec Lay Show on Facebook. You can find it over there. Anything you can do, uh, any, your support would be greatly appreciated. Don't forget MyPillow. Get over to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you can save up to 66% on your order. They got a big Memorial Day sale going on over there now. Take advantage of that, plus get additional money off if you use the coupon code FATHERHOOD at MyPillow.com. All right, so that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for those who are supporting it. It means a lot to me. This country means a lot to me. And so I'll be back here on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble. Until then, uh, God bless all of you out there listening. God bless our parents and God bless America. I will catch you next week.